Our guests today, Mike Axelrod and Marilyn Gardner, are not only remarkable people, but they also have remarkable siblings. They will share what it was like to grow up with siblings who had epilepsy and how it affected their lives. Mike is the founder and principal of GPG Strategies, a Chicago-based government affairs and business development firm. He is the son of Cure founder Susan Axelrod and a member of Cure's board. His sister Lauren suffers from epilepsy. Marilyn is the president and CEO of Navy Pier. During her 20-plus year tenure, she made a significant impact establishing Navy Pier as a world-class cultural destination. She is the daughter of one of Cure's founding members and now a board member herself. Her brother Marty has epilepsy. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I have to admit that when we first sat down in the conference room to try and plan out the episodes, this was immediately one that I was looking forward to, both to have you both as guests, obviously, but um, the topic is near and dear to my heart as well. Um, having my neurotypical son in addition to our daughter and just sort of being very aware of how all of this is affecting him. So I really do appreciate you guys being here today. Um, with that in mind, what is your earliest memory of epilepsy coming into your life? Well, for me, it was, I am 10 years older than my brother, Marty, and it, I was then 11 years old when he had his first they called it a convulsion, hmm. um, but later, many years later, we learned that it was epilepsy, that it was a seizure. But that is truly my first memory of him sitting in the high chair, babysitter in the house, and then all of a sudden, he, the babysitter are gone. My mother comes home from the hospital with Marty, who had had the convulsion. Huh. Unexplained. It's terrifying. Yes. I'm sure. Very scary. You were old enough to be aware that something was wrong and something was scary. Right, and that there was nothing that could be done to help him in the moment, but then also we didn't hear an explanation. Yeah. What about you? Lauren and I are about the same age. She's slightly older than me. I'd like to say I have a, have a uh, specific time that I remember. Uh, I've blocked out most of my childhood, uh, I think, um, predominantly as a result of, of, uh, um, of that. So I'd say probably my first memories are, are, are uh, um, in the junior high level. Uh, and um, her having, uh, having uh, significant seizures, significant and long and intense enough that uh, my mom would have to uh, administer Ativan to, to, to sedate her. Um, um, that's, that's probably my first memory. Um, uh, like I said, I think everything before that's been uh, blocked out, um, not just involving that, but everything in, in general. So. So, so you could say the impact on, on epilepsy in your life was fairly significant. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's an understatement. So. so, do you remember when you fully understood the impact that epilepsy had had on your sibling's life? I think the m most impactful thing for me, and I'll get emotional, <laughs> is... Marty is fully functioning, drives his car to work every day, 
and works in a bank. He's worked in the same bank for, you know, some 15 years now, probably. Um, he went away to high school. He went away to college. All very normal things like the rest of me and my siblings. Um, but periodically there would be a seizure that would set him back. Again, so very different than what your daughter and what uh, Lauren goes through, but still as impactful. And then to be, you know, a young man driving to work and have a seizure behind the wheel and have a license taken away and fully understand that this is happening, but also, you know, so it's more in the adult stages of life where as an adult and a sibling, you see the dramatic impact because it's not, he's not able to have the independence that the rest of us have been able to have. And there's probably always that fear in the back of his head, like in the back of all of ours, when is it going to happen again? And so where is he at now? Does he live independently? Is he... No, he lives at home with my mother, um, who is in her 80s, and you know she still does take care of him, uh, though he does have much more independence than you know, so many others who are affected by epilepsy. Uh, but again, there's always this fear, and whenever there is a seizure, there's a setback. So he could live independently, um, but, you know, I think there is always the fear of the what if. Yeah. When you're alone. And I imagine that's something that you can relate to given like, you know, probably more so um, because he was leading this normal life, life, an yes. independent normal life. And so you can sort of imagine yourself in those shoes having pieces of that right. stripped away. And it just keeps getting taken away from him yeah. over and over and over again. And that's where it's, how do we make this stop for him, others like him, but then even more so for those who can't, live any semblance of a life that we deem as normal and independent. Right. Hi, this is Brandon from Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, or CURE. Epilepsy affects 3.4 million Americans. Learn more about cutting-edge epilepsy treatments and research at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to this episode of Seizing Life. Mike, when did you first understand the scope of your sister's illness. I remember the incident. I don't remember the exact um, when it exactly was. I believe high school. Um, like I said, we're we're very similar age, um, and it's when she had a, a brain surgery to um, uh, try to uh, see if there was a local if they could localize where uh, it was coming from, uh, and perhaps even remove that part of the brain. Um, and I remember uh, uh, first they took her off her, her medicines to force her to have seizures. Uh, this was still at a time when she was uh, 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 having uh, uh, sometimes numerous uh, uh, seizures a day. Um, and then they uh, did the surgery. We saw her, I saw her afterwards with her, you know, her eyes were swollen shut and uh, um, bandages around her head. And, you know, small wires, but 
uh, accumulated about this big coming out of her brain uh, while they forced her uh, uh, to have seizures. Uh, the disappointing thing was that they weren't able to localize it. So uh, I'm not saying it was all for naught, but you know there was no there was no tangible um, outcome from from that for her. Um, but I'd say that was the, probably the first time. And how is Lauren doing today? That's a complicated question, I suppose. Um, cognitively, she's at a, at, a, at a low level just because of what she's been through growing up. Her seizures uh, through probably hundreds of different combinations and, and therapies are, have been controllable, which is great. And she's in a, in a, um, uh, a position where she is with other people where, where she can um, uh, feel normal, for lack of a better term. And that's really great. Um, but uh, cognitively, there's not going to be much improvement. Uh, uh, cognitively, what age would you say Lauren is at? I would probably say, uh, you know, 10 maybe. In my understandings and, and talking with your mom, um, I mean, you grew up in hospitals, in and out of hospitals as your sister was, was going in. How do you think that your sister and epilepsy and all of that shaped who you are today? Oh, I think it shaped about 95% of who I am today, um, for better and worse. Uh, on the better side, I think it, uh, having a sibling that has um, significant uh, or any uh, um, health-related issues um, ma just makes you more uh, empathetic to people in general. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think I am uh, for the most part. Um, but on the other side of things, there's a certain part of you that's robbed of your um, youth, you know? Mm -hmm. um, um, because um, it's very hard, I think, for a parent to give the attention that is needed medically to, your, uh, to one sibling and still give the attention that is needed not medically, but emotionally, uh, to another child. And, and I, I don't think that makes anyone a bad parent. I think it just is a, a, the situation you're dealt. I think it also is, to this day, if, if, if I don't hear from somebody right away, or if I don't, uh, you know, if I contact my wife or, or something, or, or, and I don't hear right back, or, or, or a friend, or something like that, I automatically go to the worst and think something bad has happened, or that type of thing. I have no doubt that that relates directly back to, to uh, the fact that, um, you know, we would, according to my mom, we, you know, we'd have to get up in the middle of the night, and she would go to the hospital, and we'd have to go to a neighbor's house, and, uh, or we'd have to go to the hospital with them, and that type of thing, and any time, um, you didn't hear something, it was not a good thing. Right. Uh, and so I think that, I, I know that that's still uh, at the core of, of who I am. I'm not sure that will ever change, but uh, decades later, at least I've, I think, under, started to understand how it impacts me. And what about you, Marilyn? You sort of mentioned, I think, that you know, you're, um, you know, a lot of your brother's issues really started to erupt a little later in life, but uh, you know, how does that give you perspective as a mom? Well, as a mom and also when Michael was talking, I was thinking too, from the, my role in my job, mm -hmm. um, you know, I certainly have 
the empathy, but also am able to literally drop everything uh, to deal with crisis situations or and keep my cool, mm-hmm. which um, you know is something that you know there's some of it that may be innate, but also you know it's just the way that you have to operate. And one thing I know that Miguel and I have tried to do is have like separate time with Jackson where he gets he gets just us or one of us or you know so we're not like lugging all of Adelaide's medical equipment around or things aren't subject to her health and and how things are going is there anything else along those lines that either of you would recommend that might help the the neurotypical sibling you know I think that's commendable, and it's something too that I try to do with my three children, uh, regardless of their mm-hmm. abilities. Uh, so I think it is um, important anyway. Um, but you know, just continue to try to you know make things as normal as possible. I know there are always um, you're going to get sidetracked, uh, mm-hmm. just like we were, whether you were home or away, but just, you know, it's the experiences as a family that kids will remember. And we were fortunate to have that. And, you know, my parents made a point to always um, bring the family together on, you know, holidays and we travel as much as possible. And, you know, it's just that Time is a family, but then the one-on-one time, too, is critical Mm -hmm. for any child. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Is there anything that you would, any specific things that you would recommend to the parent? The one thing I would say that I think is pretty important uh, from my my experiences um, to mothers, to, to parents in general, is just don't lose sight of the fact that it doesn't, having a child with uh, significant uh, challenges does uh, also significantly impacts the other of children. Course. And not uh, to I think just that, that recognition is is one thing. Another is is to listen um, uh, to them because I think uh, kids are willing if if they feel that it is appropriate or okay and welcoming, maybe the better term. I think that they want to share their feelings um, with their parents. Um, but I think a lot of times, um, getting back to the empathetic part of, of, of siblings, they feel like oh, they don't want to burden their parents or their parents have too much with their yeah. with the, with the other kids. I see that in our good, son. Good point. He just does, like, we, we try and keep a very open environment and try and get him to talk about it, but... I think he is. I think he's afraid to burden us further or to make us sad. Right. And he's to bring the it stress up. that you're mm-hmm. under with it. So mm-hmm. it's such a a tricky balance. And at such a young age you're able yeah. to recognize that. Mike, as you were growing up and your sister is having seizures, what was your friend's understanding? How did you communicate that experience with your friends? Were they aware? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean it, there was no uh there was no misunderstanding about at least the fact that something was going on with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is that embarrassing to you? Yeah, I think so, and I feel guilty about that a little bit. Um, I mean, it was embarrassing um, uh, 
because you know you're so self-conscious as a teenager and mm -hmm. and hormones and everything else and you know uh yes uh it was embarrassing um and 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 I feel bad saying that but you know it it, it was true um it is true uh, but uh you know f friends can can really make real friends true friends can really um can really, really uh, be lifesavers in some sense, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and they can, in some ways, make up for some of the uh, 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 time and, and, and energy that's taken away from you by your parents. Um, and it's not who are the cool people and all that kind of stuff. It's who are your real friends. And, the, and, and, and so that I can say without a doubt that my good friends uh, who I've carried uh, and have carried me through through that time, you know, have, uh, you know, there's a uh, hundred percent comfort level there, you know, mm -hmm. and and so that I can say without a doubt that that's one of the most important parts. What is your relationship like now with your siblings? Well, mine, you know, again, Marty is, you know, a fully functioning adult, mm -hmm. though, who has epilepsy, and, it, you know, he's funny, he's engaging, he's you know, great to be around, yeah. you know, and, but again, you always worry when, as you said, it will rear its ugly head again. And I imagine, you know, he is living with your mother. Is there, I mean, the thought has to be in the back of your mind. What uh, happens? What happens? Yes. And that is something that weighs on all of us. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, Need to see Marty though, you know, wanting to date and you know networking and things like that. That um, you know, you hope that he's able to meet someone and be with somebody mm -hmm. in the future and you know have a life much like the rest of us. But right. again, your mind always goes back to the what ifs. Yeah. And what about you and Lauren, Mike? I mean, uh, and, uh, this is, I, I, I consider a very good thing, but she's kind of got her own life now, you know what I mean? She does. Uh, she, does. <laughs> <laughs> she sure does. She has 500 uh, friends, which she'll tell you about. She knows each of their birthdays and uh, her boyfriend. her boyfriends. Yes. I need a chart to keep up with that. And, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, so she's got her own life going. I mean, it's great. I mean, that, 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 I think that's the most gratifying to see is that... Uh, um, uh, she's created what the life she has created for herself but um uh you know i think that that uh, her life uh, uh where she lives now it really is what uh dictates my relationship and i think our family's relationship with her thank you both so so much for joining me today and talking about your experiences i really hope that it helps other families out there as they're navigating this all-consuming all world that, um, that epilepsy presents. So thank you. Thank you. There is no way children can fully understand the challenges their siblings with epilepsy face, but that doesn't diminish the impact epilepsy has on their lives. I'm grateful to Mike and Marilyn for sharing their stories so that we can better understand their experience and learn how we can better support the siblings of our special needs children. 
for additional stories and strategies about how you can better manage epilepsy's presence in your family, please subscribe to Seizing Life on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or your favorite podcast app to catch our weekly episodes. Thanks so much. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CURE. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. CURE strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical condition be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.